I think, uh, and I hate shootouts, so I don't want to have to even bother to try to predict one because I think they're stupid and ties are fine. So, well, if well, I, that's if a topic I have for to... another day because I agree with you. Welcome to episode one of the Chasing McNaughton podcast, and I'm your host, Tim Brown. With me today are my co-hosts from Tech Hockey Guide, Rob Gilreath. Hey guys, how's it going? And Dustin Lindstrom. Hey Tim, thanks for having me here today. Thanks for joining me today, guys. As always, we'll be discussing Michigan Tech Hockey and the WCHA. Our major topics this week are Coach Sean's handling of the goaltender so far this season, Ray Bryce is captain, what's a major penalty? How important the first goal has been for the Huskies, Michigan Tech's upcoming series with Northern Michigan, and Huntsville's filing papers to leave the WCHA. Plus, we'll have some predictions for next weekend's series. Let's do the thank you notes, and we'll come back and start with the goalie situation. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, guys. Coach Sean has gotten a lot of criticism for how he's handled goaltenders as head coach. What do you think about this year so far, Dustin? I think it's much improved compared to what we've seen in years past. Uh, It seems to me like he's got a plan for what he's going to do with goaltenders and that he's executing it pretty well. Uh, It seems like all the guys are getting a fair shot at, at earning playing time. and and it it I have the, it has a feel that he is he's trusting his guys more, which I think is is a good thing. What about you, Rob? I, I think uh, I think the few times we've actually seen the goalie changes mid game this year, it, it's been uh, it's been a little more. It doesn't feel as forced as it has in the in the last few years. You know, when uh, when a goalie's come out, it's been to spark the rest of the team, and it's it, it seemed to have done that rather than jumping jumping on the goalie themselves. Uh, like it has seemed in the last past few years. So, no, I think, like Dustin said, the rotation seems to work well. A guy gets in, he proves himself. And then it's almost as if it's his role to lose at that point rather than coming back the next game with, with, with jumping around. So, you know, we've got three guys that can definitely play in the net, play well in the net, and have shown that they're, you know, they do well. Especially, you know, watch what happened last weekend with Jurisic. Just ridiculous keeping us in the game on Saturday night. But you had Pietola come in and play well. You've had uh, Badoon play well. It's it's a good situation to be in. So it makes uh, makes it tough for Joe to pick who to play. Yeah, 
I, I really appreciated the way that Joe explained the way that or his reasoning for getting Pietala in uh, a couple couple weeks ago in on the Joe show. Uh, it was very thought out. I thought it was a really well done the way that he worked him in in, in what was a low pressure situation, but also won against a, a good team, and it 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 was a good way for him to get into a game his first 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 game. Yeah, I think it's been a good situation so far. It, it the appearance is that the goalies are relatively happy with how it's going, and it doesn't feel like any of them are playing scared to keep the job. Even though you said it's their job to lose, I don't I don't feel like they're playing that way. I think they're I think Joe must be doing a better job of communicating at practice, like who's who's showing the best and and what his plan is going into a weekend instead of feeling like he's winging it the whole time and doesn't really know what he's going to do. Like he's got a rotation of how, like I think this weekend Pietala traveled, you know, so it's not like it's, he's given guys different chances and different opportunities, but everybody's getting a chance. He's rotating them. It doesn't feel like anybody has too short of a leash, but you know, they're also all playing well. So it's, it's easier maybe to not criticize those decisions because the team is playing well in front of them for defense and, 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 but Jerusik is standing on his head. Sometimes they all have made some saves that you might not expect them to. It also feels like the three goalies buy into the rotation system this year. That's going on. It doesn't feel like previous years where that was an issue (laughs) from a personnel standpoint, let's say without going too far back, right? I mean, there there were people that didn't want to, you know, <laughs> give the net up. I would honestly give the net up, but I don't think there were people that uh, expected to be on the bench in years past, to, to say the least, right? Well, I, I think it's I think it's fair to say that we there's maybe a, a little bit less a uh, head cases goalies. Goalies are notoriously head cases, right? But some at different levels than others, and it, it would be good to have uh, maybe a little less drama in the goalie room, if if you want to put it that way. It does feel like there is less this year, for sure, right? It definitely, it doesn't seem that way this year. Uh, you know, I haven't, I don't know, has any of the goalies been on the Joe show with them yet? I don't think so yet, right? Today, been, actually, they had Jerusik on. Course, the he, one I haven't yeah. listened to yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Monday show this week, he was on and uh, had a nice conversation talking about balance, and, you know, he was really happy. It sounded good, like he's he likes where he's at. I mean, also he's gotten the majority of the playing time so far, or close to it. The plurality, at least. I don't know if he's gotten more than them combined, but but he's also earned it. He's the senior. He's playing well. He's doing good. Like I, you can't fault Joe for how the for how the defense and the goaltending has been. Uh, no, it's Dee, definitely uh, a good situation. D has not. To steal steal what Dustin said in the unaired episode, the D has not been our problem this year at all, right? It, it uh, it's it's definitely been been the strong spot for sure. Which I don't know if that was the expectation going in or, or not. You know. Well, I think you could expect the goalies to be good, and you know Joe is focused on the defense, so. It shouldn't be a problem, but I guess we weren't sure what it was going to be going in. So who knows? Well, I think we've identified what the issue seems to be with winning games so far. And like I said, 
it's it's just been putting the puck in the net and finishing chances. So yeah, I saw that, that we the, are. I think we are top ten in the country in scoring defense and like forty fifth in scoring offense. That's a that's a bit schizophrenic. I'd like a balance of that, please. Yeah, we're seventh <laughs> in scoring defense and forty fifth in scoring offense with a net difference of point two seven goals per game. I think we figured out uh, why there's not more wins right there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you need to find a way to get like middle of the pack in the country for goals scored, which would put us about almost, you know, high twos. And then you're right there. That's where you want, you know, like almost a goal difference between offense and defense. You're looking good. Yep. Yeah, I think the goalie rotation system works well. It's it's it seems to be fostering competition between the guys when they are in. They know, you know, they know that they've got a perform when they're in but you know it doesn't have the it doesn't have the randomness the, that it felt like it was a few years ago so it's i don't have an issue with it this year <laughs> it, it's working well with that that change yeah i think it is working well one of the other situations with the team though is captain ray bryce and the fact that he's played in three games so far this year did joe pick the wrong captain rob i i think has a little bit more time to tell still at this point, but it's definitely strange to see. It's it's strange to see the the C not being out there on the ice. I don't think it's necessarily an issue, but you know it's it's definitely weird. It's it's odd. I don't know. We'll have to to let it uh, let it play out a little bit more and see how it goes from there. But you said he didn't travel this weekend, right? Correct. It's the first time that I have confirmed that he did not make a trip with the team. I'm not sure if he went to North Dakota. We could find that out maybe at some point. But, you know, that's something that's been important to me is that he's still there for all the practices on the road and traveling to set the set the state, you know, set the example on the road. Not that there aren't other leaders. And, you know, in the show today, Joe talked a lot about some of the leaders that are on the team. And, and maybe maybe it's just a matter of, he thought Ray Bryce set one of the better examples in practice last year and was the leader or the kind of leader he wanted, even though he knew he wouldn't play all that much. And he just wasn't sure about some of the other guys because of all the other drama they had in the locker room last year that he just wasn't comfortable naming anybody else a captain. But it seems like Alex Smith has been a great alternate. Donahue is a good alternate. I'm kind of surprised that Missyak didn't get a letter, but. Joe kind of made that clear in today's Joe Sean hour that Missyak isn't the vocal leader. He's more the lead by example, and a lot of the guys Just do get follow out and do it. it. Yeah. So sure. What do you think, Dustin? Well, I guess it, if the captain isn't going to be traveling, that's a problem for me because, like you said, I think the captain needs to be there for. The road trips, road trips are bonding time for teams in a lot of a lot of cases, right? That you hear about that on the Alaska trip in past years. How that's that can be a time when teams come together, and I think it's a big miss to not have the captain there. He's supposed to be your leader, and I don't think he necessarily needs to be playing in every game because you can definitely be a leader off the ice, and and that I don't think that's an issue. But in order to be a leader off the ice, he needs to be with the rest of his teammates. And when he's sitting in Houghton, 
while his team is on the road, he does he he's not he can't be a leader. He's not given the opportunity to be a leader. So to me, it is an issue if he's not traveling with the team. I I agree. I think that's that's the bigger issue to me is especially if if uh, they're not traveling. Like I don't like I I can see that he's not maybe a top top twelve forward, but I don't think the gap between thirteen and however many forwards we have is that far. That if your captain is healthy and and uh, and maybe he had a knock, maybe he doesn't, maybe they don't want to talk about that. But if he's healthy and he and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing as captain, there's no reason he shouldn't be the 13th forward that's traveling with the team, or they should spend the money and travel the full allotment of what they're allowed on the road so that he can be there and participate in those things and and set the example. Not that there aren't other leaders on this team. And and like I said, Joe made it pretty clear on this week's... uh, Radio show that you know Jerusalem's a big leader, Missy X stepping up, and he's seeing it more now out of uh, Bratzman that he's probably going to be a leader out of that class, and and that's good to see. Well, it's it's funny that you mention the sophomore class because I think it was a miss to not give a letter, an A, to one of the the players in the sophomore class, and I know they're not upperclassmen. But I do think that the sophomore class is the future of this team. It, we see with well, the scoring that coming from. That goes without saying, doesn't that, That's always true, the right? The sophomore classes and the freshman class are always the future of the team. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and I, I understand what you're saying, but I, uh, I do think there's good leadership in the junior-senior class. I'm 90% convinced that Missyak will be the captain next year. Um, but, you know, Brosman will probably have an A. And I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, Joe talks a lot on the show, at least so far this year, about how, you know, the second half of last year was kind of a lost period of development. So I don't, I think a lot of that comes back to he's going to pick his upperclassmen because they're, they're more, you know, grunt guys that, you know, they have to work hard to get their playing time versus some of the younger guys are more skilled guys. And maybe he just didn't get, as good a feel for who his leaders were in the freshman last year's freshman because of he's dealing with all those other extracurricular issues that he had last year. Yeah, that's fair. You know, so who knows? I think a good point to that too, is that the senior class this year is really small, right? You may not have someone that has that leadership, uh, has that leadership role where you do with the, uh, with a bigger class, right? You've only got three guys there to pick from. You know, there may not be a guy you want to choose out of those three. And you don't have, like, maybe Jurisic is a really good leader, but he's not Kowalski that you're going to, he's going to be playing 95% of the games for yeah, you. So you can't really give the point. goalie the C either. But then again, right, Bryce isn't playing that much. So it's not a whole lot different, I guess. But a Kowalski reference? Well, think, he was the captain for Northern, wasn't he? I th- I, I think Northern wasn't he yeah, a captain yeah, for going, Northern? That's going back right. years. Man. I know that's like <laughs> that's like back during the start of. Now uh... yeah, he's the only goalie captain I can remember. Oh, well, I'm sure there's others. I'm sure I there are others, the but that's the one, that's the only one I can really think of. I feel like Denver had one. Was it? I might be. Uh, 
like Burkle or something like that, one of those years that Denver was really good. But Probably. I might just be completely making that up too, so who knows? Who knows? All right. So on to the next topic. What is a major penalty? Earlier today on the Tech Hockey Guide account, I posted a couple videos that I cut up out of off the Flow Hockey feed. Uh, Buckley's hit versus Minnesota State last weekend or two weekends ago, and then the Henriksen hit by Ellis or from Lake State against Michigan Tech. They both look pretty similar to me. There's a few differences, but they were called differently in each game. And it was nice to go out and get some opinions of fans, um, both mostly MTU fans, I'm sure, from our Twitter feed. But on the boards, we got a few other people to talk, and they're both kind of all over the board, all over the place with what it what it should be. But for the most part, it seemed like everybody agreed that if one was going to be called worse than the other, it should have been opposite of what the refs actually called. That they either both deserved the same penalty, which I've got 17% of our 58 votes so far said they should have both been minor penalties, 7% both majors, and 74% of the people said Lake State's penalty should have been worse than Minnesota, or, uh, Michigan Tech's. What do you guys think? I think you get the benefit of a little bit of a better angle from the hit at Lake State compared to the hit at uh, in Houghton. The Lake State hit, you really, you get the exact point of impact, and it, it's up high. It's definitely, the start of the hit is to his head uh, in Lake, in the Lake State game. I can't tell from the on-ice angle with Buckley's hit if it's head first, chest first. You, you can't see. The angle's not correct to see it. So you get that giant benefit of the right angle to review the hit in slow motion and stop it frame by frame and see that uh, the, the hit the hit this weekend, the Lake State hit, was actually impact right on the head to start with. It, it didn't hit his chest and go high. It, it hits him in the face right away. And this is the exact opposite of what my reaction was when watching it live. It's only after watching it slow down like you posted earlier today that I could see it that way. Watching it live, it looks like it starts on his chest and goes up which doesn't necessarily, you know, warrant uh, a major with it, right? It's not necessarily, it doesn't need to be called uh, a major for indirect contact to the head, which I think is something that not a lot of people realize. An indirect hit to the head, it doesn't even need to be penalized with an indirect hit to the head. The rule doesn't say that you have to, you know, immediately jump to five with it, uh, like direct contact. So it's a little different in the rule book depending on uh, how the hit actually happens. The Buckley hit, you can't tell. You just don't have the right angle for it. But they reviewed it, right? Yep. So when they reviewed it, what were they looking at? That When they were looking at it and said, they saw they were looking at the same video as us. It's not like they have additional camera angles to look at. It, what, do they, what do they see in that video that makes it a five? Because I didn't see anything in that video that made it look like a five to me. Especially I don't. Well, I guess you don't really know what, because Tech is usually pretty quick about putting penalties on the board as a minor, even though it's not, maybe not, you know, they didn't get that from the ref yet. They just know there's a penalty. So you don't know if they went into it going, I think it's a five, but I want to make sure. And then there's nothing in that video that says it's not. You know what I, you know, per se, because you can't see the, you don't have the right angle, like you said, Rob. You know what I do want to see, though? 
and I don't think there's any reason why it's not there is the mic'd up refs like the NCHC is doing this year. It takes so much of the confusion of what the review was for, what it was done for, lets them explain the call. It doesn't take that much time. And I think it adds a ton to the one, the in-game experience. It feels like it's a it's a bigger event to get the ref to come out there, skate in the middle, pop his mic on, let you know what happened. But it, it takes away so much of the confusion from a fan perspective as to what's actually going on and what they looked at. Just let the ref explain themselves. I think that solves a whole bunch of the, you know, grumpiness and confusion from a fan side if you just have that simple that simple little bit where they talk with the mic. I mean, if you can have an arena announcer But does but does Papa Shep really want to have his refs talking to us? I don't yeah. I don't was, think so. What happened the last time the WCHA ref was in front of a mic? I believe it was we just make this shit up as we go along. <laughs> well, to be fair, well I he's the head he... of the refs in the NCHC now, so he's probably the one that put the rest of them on mics. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if if we can have an arena announcer or we can have interviews in between the periods and almost every, it feels like every stadium does this where someone runs down to the ice and talks on the broadcast, there's no way we don't have the ability to put a mic on a ref and let them actually, you know, explain what's going on. No, it's the NHL, NFL yeah, style. It's, like, it's not that hard to explain. You just right. say, like, because the other thing that's weird is, like, I don't know how you look at the Lake State one and don't see like direct contact with his head and the fact that he's already engaged with another player and the puck is gone, right? By the time he doesn't like, actually it's he not doesn't there anymore. actually reach the puck in that in the Lake State yeah. one. He's he's bent down low, reaching forward, trying to get to the puck, and he never gets to it. So interference is the right yeah. call there. So interference is a great sure. call, but the fact that it's interference with contact to the head, I don't know how it's not a five there. Um, and then the, one of the guys, I think the, our our friend over at uh, Bowling Green, um, BGSU Hockey, Drew, I think he posted on the boards after I posted the tweet that they're both fives because they're trying to get rid of those hits in the game. And, and I don't fault the league for trying to do that, but I don't understand how you look at at the hit uh, by Lake the Lake State player, unless the league looked at the Buckley one and said that shouldn't have been the five, and they're now they're correcting. Like I don't understand how how this Lake State hit wasn't a five. I don't care if he gets kicked out of the game or not, but I don't understand how it's not a five. It, this, I mean, let's not pretend that this is a WCHA issue. This is it doesn't matter even what sport it is. It seems like them further down the rabbit hole of instant replay sports go. You see it in football, you see it in baseball, you see it in in hockey. The actual officiating seems to get worse. It, it, I don't know if that's just anecdotal and it seems like and it just feels that way, but it sure does feel that way. That it, 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 I don't know. I think it's just a whole lot easier for each of us to have an opinion because we all got to watch it in slow motion 12 yeah. times. Well, well, that's what, that's what they're they do doing, too. though. That's I know, what they but, are doing when they review. But, they are... I know. I know that's what they're doing, but my point is that, like, and we're trying to be objective, and we've talked about yeah, how I, I hate, this kind of feels like whining yeah, because the fact that we, we, are, we, yeah. we were punished more on our hit than the other guy, but it's two different games. Like, I don't fault 
the call in the Minnesota State game. It didn't, well, it could have changed the outcome, but I highly doubt we're, we're not losing that game just the way we played even absent that hit. Like, it's not, that's not what this is about. It's just a matter of, like... It's about consistency. When we look at these things, it's really hard to be, um, to be, to not let our biases come into it. And I try very hard whenever these hits happen in any sport to look at it objectively and be like, do I think that should have been called, whether it's my team or not? And and I don't think those calls were right. They're either, to me, they're both minors. Or they're both majors, because I think they're very similar. I think they're close enough that that I have no problem with them both being majors. I just find it really odd that the the Lake State hit was not. So going into that series, Michigan Tech was winless when not scoring first. So now after a sweep, they're now five and two when scoring first. What do you guys think? Why why is the team playing like that? Yeah, I I personally think it's a symptom of. Uh, being young and the, the the scores on the team, the the I would say you know, the offensive talent on the team, the, the high talent forwards are all young, and it's you know not being able to come back from behind is a mental thing, and that's something that hopefully comes with a little bit more experience and you know, having that ability to recover and not let one goal turn into two goals, and yeah, you know, it's. It's it's a sign of maturity to give up a goal and then come back out and pressure and and you know get it back. I think uh, teams that are immature let it snowball. Well, I mean, look what look what happened with Lake State this weekend. We scored the first goal and they came back down. What was it? Fourteen seconds. I think it was like so. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Under thirty seconds, they came back and and uh, and scored. And like you're saying, that's a sign of a almost a more mature team at that point, right? Not letting one goal or a goal lead to a lapse i think is important yeah and then the same on the other token that that's that's the sign of tech's youth that like they they weren't ready for that first shift after the goal and and had a, and made a mistake and allowed a goal right away but the other side of the coin is you can see that they when they do get the lead they they and they and they're playing good hockey they are talented they definitely belong and you know i think it's a sign that the future is bright you just need to develop some of that experience and maturity side of the game, and that'll come with time. And like we said, these the players that we're talking about are are freshmen and sophomores. They they they've got more time, and, and a lot of them are come. younger than a lot of freshmen and sophomores we brought in recently. They're not they're not twenty year old freshmen. I mean, the Piedela twins are nineteen or eighteen. So. To go on a little of a side there, which which pronunciation is it for them guys? Which one they, of those three they don't, do we go They don't with? go by Piedela, do but, they say, but it's the UP, so they're they okay to be Piedela. So <laughs> so they're Piedelas? They're, they're Patillas, <laughs> but they go by Piedela because they're in the UP now. See, you're even saying it different than I would to start with. Right? <laughs> How do you say it? Piedela. Piedela. Piedelas, yeah. <laughs> Speed it up a little bit more, but yeah, the downstate one when I first heard that when uh, they came up, I was like, "What? What? What?" Well, it was weird too because <laughs> to I could have sworn you per year. It sounds so so wrong, you know. And it's it's obviously however you want to pronounce your own name, right? I yeah. Mean, I just found out how to say your name right the first time after knowing you for twelve <laughs> years or so. So yeah, from the from our first podcast recording, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh, it's Brown." Yeah. yeah. 
I actually had no idea. I was going with the steroid abuse version. <laughs> so yeah. no, that yeah, because I remember when we had Chad and Blake and who yeah, was the third? Three one? of them, and all three of them it was, were it was Aaron, right? Chad, Blake, and way. Aaron, and two of them are brothers, yeah. and they were two of them, ha- and all and three of them had different pronunciations. They all used the different one of the yeah, pronunciations. Yeah, Patilla and, and, and Patilla or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then they finally yeah, settled on opposing announcers. Just <laughs> opposing announcers just having to deal with that for at all. And then you tell me this name that's spelled the exact same way. I've got to say it three different ways. Yeah, just throw your pronunciation sheet out and give up. <laughs> So back to the other subject, I think one other sign of the youth is the hat tricks that you've got. They're on, like, fire one game, and then they can't score right. a goal the next game. That you know, They're just, and I mean, like, uh, Brassman totally deserved recognition this week. His snipe for that second goal was sick. I posted that was, in the... Uh, was his the one that, was he the spin around in front there? Like the, yeah, the second shelf? goal where he, like, uh, yeah. deeks the guy... And then, like, just risks it when he's already kind of like hunched over. It's it's sick. most of the goals this weekend were top shelf yeah. snipers for both teams. Yeah, they were. It was, it was everybody was going. Yeah, that first everyone was going up. Yeah, I posted uh, uh his awards recognition uh a post on our on Tech Hockey Guide today, and in that I've got the highlight video with it tuned up to Bratzman's first goal of the weekend, and it is just sick. Like I tweeted about like. I stopped what I was doing at intermission and tweeted about how sick that goal was right the first game. <laughs> so that was that was nice. Yeah, they were they were all pretty goals, and it's nice to it's nice to see those kind of goals, you know, instead of uh, just the gritty. The gritty ones have their place, right? The scrum in front of the net where the puck gets in. But yeah, and we need more of those. But we also need to finish more when we get the chance for the good goal, the pretty goals. Right. There's something about watching a guy come down and snipe top shelf and watching the goalie just look behind him like, oh, shoot. There's just something something better about that. <laughs> it's, 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 a satisfying, uh, it's a satisfying way to see a goal scored, that's for sure. All right. So Tech is playing Northern Michigan this, very, this weekend in a home-and-home. Home. What do you guys want to say about that? I mean, Northern sucks. We can start with that. Yeah, <laughs> it's always a good start there. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any, there's anybody that would be surprised by that attitude coming out of the three of us. No, but <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it'll be a good series. Northern's been playing pretty well this year. They, yeah, they, uh, they held on with St. Cloud for a pretty decent series with them coming back in a couple of games. You know, being down, I think they're down three, down by three goals in both their games, weren't they? At least one they of them. I know they were down in both, but they were down by three in the first for sure. I watched the end of that one. Right. So, come back. you know, it, it it's the same typical crew over there. You know, or no, the first they, they game they were up it, by three and choked it away, didn't they? Or was that the Bemidji? No, other way around. That was the that was the double. Well, that was Bemidji and St. Cloud that Bemidji almost choked it away. Bemidji lost the one. Yeah, that was earlier in the year. Yeah, so Northern and Minnesota State are tied for first on win percentage in the conference, both five and one so far. Tony's been doing a great job up there. Yeah, well, it's, it's good. I, I like having, uh, it, it's nice to, to have it be competitive. It makes it a lot more fun when you, when you win, there's no doubt about that. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's led itself to some, some decent moments over the last few years. Not that a tech Northern series needs to be, you know, built up in any way. It's, 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 you know, going to be a good time. No matter what you got going on, even just the the atmosphere around town, whether it's Marquette or Houghton, 
you know, when the game's on, you, it's, it's everywhere. Right? right. So, you know, and we've all been a part of that. We've all had a good time <laughs> uh, going out around town with the tech jerseys on down in Marquette, you know, so it, it, it's fun to have that rivalry actually, actually lead to good hockey for a change too. Right. So, and the home and home format of it, I like that too. I'm a big fan of splitting it, not having it, uh, having it go back and forth like that. I think is really nice for the rivalry series. It works real well, and it's a good trip for the misfits to get everybody and not have to worry about hotels so much and get as many yeah, people sure. as they can to go. I think that's good. It's good for the rivalry too. I never yep. like those types of games because then. Well, I like travel for the weekend, but that's a little different when I, you're. I do like. I agree. I like to go for the whole weekend if I go, but yeah. I can see when it's a you know local rival like that, two hours away to. It makes a lot of sense to have it. Yeah, home that, home. I think that right there, that right there makes Marquette the exception, right? It's it is only two hours. You can get home in a reasonable time. Otherwise, yeah, I agree with you. A college hockey weekend should be a Friday Saturday series where you travel for the whole weekend, right? Otherwise, it doesn't it doesn't feel normal to me. I look at like East Coast games where they play on like a Thursday and then go home, and they just play like one game on the weekend. I mean. I think it's also why it what feels is, weird now. When, what is that crap? <laughs> when we play Minnesota State down in Mankato, and like I make two trips down to go to games, it just feels weird that I'm not. I don't have the overnight and the the crazy right. after hour stuff because I got to get home. Yeah, well, we're also not you know 21, 22 years old anymore, and want to go out. And <laughs> yeah, get, things are a little different. Drunk I like to take my, I like to take my daughter to the the games now, and she has fun and can't quite make it till the end. Yeah, that's the, the road trip. Being a road trip for a weekend is, I think, what makes what makes Western hockey work so well, and it's what makes the current footprint unfortunate at this point, right? Makes it tough when for like Dustin and yeah. I and, and you too. Like the the closest games are in Houghton this year, aren't they? I guess North it's Dakota familiar. would have been. Maybe, it's maybe are they not at Bemidji either? I don't think so. I don't think they're at Bemidji or at Minnesota State this year. Yeah, the North Dakota, the one game in North Dakota would have been the closest, so that's that's not good. I mean, I live in the college hockey wasteland of Wisconsin, so you yeah. know, where there's one team for the entire state, so that's just unfortunate. You gotta start following a WEAC team and go to those games or go watch the gamblers. Soon soon to be soon yeah. to be two teams in the state of Wisconsin. The, the gamblers have a, have a different crowd <laughs> that I don't. Uh, yeah. The gamblers crowd is interesting. Let's put it that way. I'm not a fan of yelling at high school students to punch themselves in the face. That just doesn't seem uh, after four beers. That's yeah. not my style. That's not my style of watching hockey. I want to watch hockey, not you know, kids. I wish we had a barely USHL can grow beards punch though. each other. It's a good thing you're not Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's the gamblers are there, uh, and St. Norbert's is here too, which isn't too far. We've gone to a couple of their games, but it's not the same. You know, I'd rather go to a D, a D one game, of course. Right. So beyond the Tech Northern series this weekend, probably the biggest news that's come out was actually broken by me on Tuesday that Alabama Huntsville has filed papers to leave the WCHA, much like the other seven schools that already did it back in June. You guys, have any thoughts on that? Rob, I think it's just Huntsville making sure that they're ready as well. I think that's that's what they need to be doing, right? Making sure that they're at the same point everybody else is. But it seems it seems strange that uh, 
that we've basically got just two teams that are going to stay. Is the WCHA going to continue to live on with the actual two westernmost schools? And you take a name that's been historically a footprint in the Midwest with the Colorado schools, and now it's all that's left is those guys way out there. Do they keep the name and just be like, hey, we're running with this. You left it to us. I don't know what happens, right? If we're leaving the WCHA and if Huntsville is leaving the WCHA, does the name die at this point? I mean, that's awful, if you ask me. I don't know what's going to happen with the name. I, I'm i half convinced that what's going to happen is either they'll go for the CCHA name because Bowling Green has access to it, or they will just buy out the name and keep it. And the others, whoever's left behind, if there is still a conference with whatever configuration, you know, those school, those teams will have to come up with a new name. I think it's also, we just need to remember that just because the seven teams all submitted the papers at the same time to leave the conference, that does not mean that those seven teams are going to go off and create their own conference and all stay together. I think there's a pretty good chance that it's just a, it's just a sign that there's going to be another reshuffling of some kind, and those seven teams, and eight if you include Huntsville, are going to end up in two or maybe three different conferences, and maybe a new conference form of some sort. It, it, I, I, think, I think it's a bad assumption to think that it's just these seven schools that are all just going to leave and, and start their own conference. I, I think... I think that's like plan B or C for these teams. And I think that's where Huntsville, like, I think they're filing because with the changes that have been made at Atlantic hockey with the full scholarship availability there, that maybe they're more comfortable now that they can maybe get a seat at that table with their, maybe with their travel subsidies that they've been doing in the WCHA or a smaller one, because there's more teams that they don't have to go as often. And there's no Alaska issue there. I mean, I'm sure Air Force is kicking in something to help those schools get out there. Um, that I think that's one of their options. And I think they want to get out so that if the seven teams leave and the other things don't happen, whether it's St. Thomas or Arizona State or some other school, you're they're, they're available to be that eighth team as a backup. And I'm yeah. not sure they're upset about that. You know? I mean, the... From Huntsville's standpoint, it's just giving themselves options. I mean, that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's due diligence, right? right? It's what they ought to be doing at this point. You know, whether or not whether or not they end up with everybody or not, you know, who knows, right? Right. And I think they're just they're just filing to give themselves options without paying penalties because they can't afford penalties. Um, you know, it just takes away money that could go towards that new arena if it's actually gonna happen or or coaching staffs or buyouts to get a different coach if that's the direction they want to go because they're not looking good this year. And I know some of my Alabama friends have talked about change being needed despite how much we thought they were headed in the right direction, but that's not what's happened so far this year. Anything else? Good? No, I think that, that, that hashes out that pretty okay. well. So I guess we've got one segment left to talk about predictions. What do we think is going to happen this weekend between Tech and Northern? Dustin, I'm going to let's say uh, let's I'm going to say a split. Ooh, going out on a limb, yeah. huh? I, I'm going to say a split, and because it's the WCHA and we know they're going to play shootouts if they have to, let's just go with how many points out of the six 
you know, like so it's you're going three 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 three, and I don't and I don't think this will really count, but I'm gonna throw an extra prediction out there, and I think each team wins on the road. Okay, Rob, where do is it is it Marquette first or is it Houghton first this weekend? It is in Houghton first. I'm gonna go with a sweep then, just because I don't want to be like Dustin and play it safe. <laughs> so you're going for the tech sweep. I'll go for a tech sweep. Yeah, I think the team that starts the weekend at home gets some momentum and carries it on. And you know, we've had some decent success down there in, in the Barry recently. It's been a good time. You know, it's always uh, always fun to watch that game down there. So I think, uh, and I hate shootouts, so I don't want to have to even bother to try to predict one because I think they're stupid and ties are fine. So well, if well, I, that's if a topic I have for to... another day because I agree with you. I think. I refuse to even acknowledge they exist with my predictions going forward this year. I will not call a tie shootout prediction once. <laughs> well, I might because do that. I think they're the, the worst events. things. Yeah. Well, here we go. I'm going with Tech with a five-point weekend. But I think they'll score three on three. Oh, three on three is even worse than shootouts. They're both <laughs> disgusting ways to solve a hockey game. You, you, need to, you need to get with the future, man. Yeah. No. It's all about it's all about the 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 random fan that just buys a ticket to check out hockey. That's that's what it's all yeah. about, man. You think you think it's stupid uh, what we're doing? So three uh, deciding you know an extra point in the regular season on a shootout. Go to the IIHF and there's deciding gold medal games and a shootout. shootout. Yeah, yeah. The problem I have with that is you have three on threes with. When you watch like an NHL three on three, it's good, crisp, fast movement. The guys out there are all high end talent skating guys, right? You don't watch a lot you of wild games, the... do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You, you you watch it in the NHL, at, the, at the college level, and it's oh, it, it's just it's grating. I can't I, three on three is dumb. <laughs> just don't like it. Let them play. Play five minutes, and then if no one scores, they're even. Tie. What's the problem? I don't get it. Not everyone needs to win. Not everyone needs to lose. Sometimes the teams are just even. Okay, let's uh, let's get on to the next prediction. <laughs> so I predict I still hate shootouts. another series this weekend is Lake State at Bowling Green. Anybody want to start on that one? I think Lake State uh, is grumpy about the way that they completely dominated us for approximately 30 minutes. And uh, they come out real strong on Friday when the first one, Bowling Green, comes back. And, and then I'll go with the, the split on the second one. But I, I Lake State deserved to win on Saturday. Jurassic basically stopped that from happening. I think Lake State wins there. Starts it off with the with the win on Friday. Dustin, I I think Bowling Green rolls. The uh, two plus goal wins both nights. I think Friday is a close game, but I do think Bowling Green is going to sweep because I just think they're that much better. I do like Lake State, and I think they'll come out, and I think Bowling Green will probably give up some goals, but I think they'll find a way to to win it. You know, three two or something on Friday and Saturday they'll they'll roll. That's what I think. Those ones are down. Those ones are down in Ohio, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think you get the road. The road win on Friday, then. And let's see what what series should I pick? How about Ferris State at Alaska? The late game. 
So well, hopefully we'll get to watch it. Right Isn't there. it? Well, what, should, what else should I pick? Uh, we can do Ferris State. You want to do Alaska Anchorage versus Minnesota State? That's a sweep. Is, we're, <laughs> we're, I don't have that much confidence that, that one actually. That's one, that one's in Mankato. And then we got Mankato, Huntsville yeah, at Bemidji. That's... So we could do the Who Hates Huntsville series. But I don't think that one's all that interesting I love, either. I love the fact that that's actually a rivalry. Yeah. That cracks me up and I think it's awesome. It is. It's a great rivalry from their D2 days. Right. Yeah, the fact that that's actually a thing is fantastic. You got two teams that couldn't be farther apart from each other geographically. You know, with the exception of the the Alaska schools, I'm pretty sure Bemidji is the farther the farthest north, aren't they? Maine. Just discounting the eastern schools because I mean, really, that doesn't count until playoffs, anyways, right? Isn't Houghton further north of Bemidji? No. Well, they're north of Highway Two, so probably, isn't it? No way. There's no I'm way. Pretty sure, I'm sure. Pretty sure Holton's further north than Bemidji. Pretty sure. Oh, I'm gonna have to look now. And and since you said that, we're keeping it in the podcast too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that should we? Let's pick that series. The hunt. The Who Hates Huntsville series. Alabama no, Huntsville at Bemidji it's, State. It's super close, but Bemidji is farther. Oh. Okay. I guess Highway 2 must drift that far north from Duluth. Huh? How about Grand Forks? Oh, Grand Forks is farther north, too. Houghton's about on the same level as Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Okay. And it keeps drifting north from there. Gotcha. Yep. All right. Riveting I'll start. Stuff. Even though Huntsville's been terrible this year because of the rivalry, I'm going to go with a split. Well, judging what Bemidji did to Lake State, right? That was that was the, the big uh, the big series sweeper what, two weeks ago now. Yep, I can't imagine that Bemidji uh, is able to not keep a little bit of that rolling and uh, and sweep. I think Bemidji's going. I think Bemidji takes something. Yeah, Bemidji's going to take five points with winning in a shootout one of the nights. <sighs> the worst. Disgusting. I mean, they did split with Ferris last weekend, but granted, that was at Ferris, so uh, yeah. Oh, right. Everybody gets a little claustrophobic when they have to play at Ferris, <laughs> and it just throws your game off. You're worried about the ceiling falling on you. Yeah. All right, I guess that's enough for predictions. That should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Patrons at our black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including the unpublished episode one. Follow us at Twitter at ChasingMacPod, and you can submit questions through our, to our email address at ChasingMac at TechHockeyGuide.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review, which will help us reach more people and tell your friends. Please check out Jonathan Zameda's series previews every Friday and our Old Dog in Texas column every Wednesday. I also plan to work hard over the next couple months to catch up on recruiting commitments on Tuesdays. As always, special thanks to our patron saint, Doc McRezen, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy, and thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in today's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com.
Especially for me. 